Okay. Before I begin, I just want to say a quick prayer, and we'll get started. Dear God, thank you for your love and faithfulness. Thank you for this Bible, your word written down. Pray you be with us this morning in the sanctuary and at home as we learn more about you. Pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Okay, so we're going to continue in Mark. You probably can see in the bulletin, we're going to continue the series Pastor Jeff has been started, and I want to talk a little bit about that. We're in Mark 16, Mark 6, 14 through 29, excuse me. Um, and we're going to get into that in a minute. But first, I have a quick question. How many of you are afraid when Pastor Jeff asks you, hey, I have a question for you? Questions like that from Pastor Jeff, it's dangerous. That's how I end up here. And it's kind of scary. Uh, truthfully, I don't fear Pastor Jeff. I just fear what he's going to ask me. Um, <laughs> Other times, though, I am afraid of like what people say or what, what I think they're going to say to me. And I can let my fear control what I do or what, I, what I'm going to say. And so I want to talk about that a little bit. Um, you guys, maybe, maybe you know this, maybe you don't. You guys know what I absolutely love. And if you're thinking worship, that's right. Uh, welcome back. I'm glad you decided to come back. I preached our worship a few months ago, and it was, it was great. Um, in addition to worship, I I I love to play. I love to play video games, and I like action games, adventure games, single player games, shooters, RPGs. I love games. I love to play video games. But there was a time in my life when I I let my fear of other people control what games I wanted to play. So there was this back in grade school. I was a little kid. We were me and my best friend. We played this game called Pokemon Gold, and it was my favorite game ever. But at school, it wasn't popular. And so I, I remember thinking I would get made fun of if I played this game. So I would, would never bring this game to school. I would, I would hide it. I would pretend I didn't like Pokemon because I wanted to be cool. And so I, I wouldn't play the game I liked because I, I was afraid of other people. Um, today, uh, that doesn't actually phase me as much. I'll play any game that I like. I'm happy to play it. Have you guys heard of Minecraft? It's awesome. You should try playing it. Play it all the time. Uh, even though I play the games I want now, I still sometimes let my fear of people control me. Uh, this was a while back. I was playing with some friends. Now, I've played with these guys all the time. We're, we're, we know each other pretty well. And I was explaining to them that I wanted to go back to school and be a, be a missionary. And one of my friends was like, hey, what's a missionary? And the question just caught me off guard. I had, didn't even know how to respond at first. I'm like, Everyone knows what a missionary is. That's not true. I learned. And I, I quickly just kind of explained it to him. I said, this is what they do, kind of who they are. And we just we moved on, and I didn't really think much of it. I just we kept playing. But when I think back about that time, I, I, even at, in the moment, I was like, that would have been a great opportunity to you know, share my faith a little bit with my friends. But I was afraid of what they might think of me, and so I just kind of just... We left it, you know, I explained it, and then we were off on the next adventure. We were doing something. I forget what game. Uh, my fear was causing me to hesitate. And so we're going to find in Scripture a little bit of a response to that. Another example might be like when I'm working on an art project or like a, a paper, I might be hesitant to show people because I'm afraid that they might think it's weird or different. So I'm afraid of what others will think of me. Or... You know, I've been asked this question a lot lately. It's, what are you going to do after? What are you going to do after you graduate? You guys remember these questions? What are you going to do after high school? Or what are you going to do next? 
I don't know, I hate those questions because I don't always know. And so I'm afraid people, if I say, hey, I don't have a clue, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid people are going to think differently of me because I don't have the answers. So I make it a personal habit to never ask that question to anybody <laughs> out of respect. Um, that's, that's joking. You can, you can talk to me. I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, where are we at? And so there's encouragement we can find in the text. Now, if we look at our text, we'll, we'll turn to Mark 6, 14 through 29. It's kind of a longer text, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about it a little bit, and then we're going to start reading it. I might pause here and there. We'll, talk, we'll hit, some, hit some key points. We're just going to read the Scripture together. Um, I'm just going to turn there. This story, it's in my Bible, the title is, well, the, the section of the scripture, the pericope is called the death of John the Baptist, or John the Baptist beheaded specifically. Got slides. Thank you, Jacob. Mark talks about John in chapter 1. Starts, actually starts the, the story um, with John with John the Baptist. Mark has this way of writing his gospel that are kind of like stories within stories. Pastor Jeff would call these, he calls them the story sandwiches. He'll tell a little bit of a story, and then tell another story, and then finish up the first story. And uh, one thing I learned at Trinity Bible College, by the way, Trinity Bible College is awesome. If you want a solid biblical education, go there, send your kids there. Okay, I'm done. Um, at Bible College, though, we learned of called, what's called framework stories. And framework stories are a story within a story. Uh, one of the most popular or famous ones is 101 Arabian Nights, where this gal, she's telling a story to the king, and, and within that story, she tells a number of other stories. It goes on forever. It, 101 Nights, of stories. It's a popular literary device. And so when I looked at Mark, the first thing I thought was, this is a story in a story. Um, to summarize Mark, just to, to catch us up to speed, we got, starts with John, he baptizes people. Then he baptizes Jesus. Uh, Mark casually, he says, John gets arrested. But then the whole point of this gospel of Mark is Jesus. So he just talks about Jesus. Uh, we hear about how Jesus drives out demons. He speaks in parables. Uh, he, what does he say? He, he heals the sick. He does all these things. And then in Mark 6, we get back to King, we, we go to King Herod. And King Herod's hearing about all these things Jesus is doing. And, and, John, and Herod is like, oh, that's John. That's, that's the, the man I killed. He's raised from the dead. You remember John back from chapter 1, verse 14? Well, yeah, he's back. Oh, by the way, he's also dead. Let's hear the story of his death. That's kind of how Mark is like, setting this whole thing up. Uh, so let's, let's go to our text. We'll start in verse 14. It says, King Herod heard about it. Again, this is the things of Jesus, the work of Jesus and his disciples. Because Jesus' name had become well known. Some said, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. And that's why miraculous powers are at work in him. But others said he's Elijah. Still, others said he's a prophet, like one of the prophets from long ago. Now, when Herod heard of it, again, he said, John, the one I beheaded has been raised. For Herod himself had given orders to arrest John and chain him in prison on account of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Because he'd married her, John had been telling Herod, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. In some of the commentaries I was reading, it was saying perhaps 
Herod, uh, because of his guilt for killing this man, John, he was, he was happy and he quick to assign John's name to Jesus. He was, that would just make all things work out. So, so John is dead, but Herod was guilty and felt bad about this, this killing. And we'll read, we'll read why. Uh, but Herod was quick to say, oh, that's just John raised from the dead. We know that's not the case, but the, the attitude, the mindset of Herod is he's, he's quick to assign Jesus' works to, the John, to John. And another thing I want to mention about, about this man, uh, Herod, is when John says it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife, my immediate thought went to the text in Deuteronomy 25, 5-10. Uh, God's given the Israelites all the rules. And actually, God commands the Israelites, he says, uh, you're supposed to, if man and woman are married, the one guy dies and the woman's a widow, it's the responsibility of the brother to marry the gal and have a child. And that's uh, in reference to preserving the family line and the property throughout the family. And also to take care of the widow, because in that culture, the son would take care of the wife, uh, the, the widow. And now, that's immediately what I thought about, and so I thought, why is John saying this is bad? Because the Bible tells us them to do that. But in, in Herod's case, it's not, it's not accurate at all. What I think maybe John was referencing would have been more close to Leviticus twenty twenty one, And that verse says, If a man marries his brother's wife, it's an act of impurity, and he's dishonored his brother. They'll be childless. And so that's exactly what Herod did, actually. And did you know, it, it kind of just scratches the surface. That Herod and uh, his, his whole family, uh, there's a lot written about them. A little bit of it's in the Bible. But if you look at that family, if you look at Herod, uh, his dad was Herod the Great. And actually, Herod the Great is the man who, uh, it's not mentioned. Testing? Okay. Um, so I don't know where, where you guys could hear, uh, but I was saying that Herod, from our text, his father, Herod the Great, is the one who schemed to kill all the babies, trying to kill Jesus before he grew up, because Herod the Great was afraid that Jesus would be a threat to his throne. So that's Herod's father. Now, Herod, from our text, he actually he married his brother Philip's wife. And Philip isn't dead. He just, he just took his wife. Now, Herod's, Herod's first wife, the one he... He left to marry Herodias. Uh, she was actually the daughter of a king. And so it's not mentioned in the Bible, but history tells us that when he left that gal, uh, it actually resulted in a war with her father and Herod. Because, I mean, if you, if you ditch the daughter of a king, I'm sure that king's going to have words with you, to say the least. Uh, Herod, that's just to say, Herod is kind of a messed up guy. And actually his... Wife, the, the gal he married now, Herodias, history tells us, is actually his niece. So it's all sorts of messed up. And that's what John's talking. He's talking against these things. Um, and like I said, so John is speaking out against that. And 
the reference we have, I, I'm, I believe he's referring to Leviticus 20.21. So that's, that maybe is our, our first point tonight, today, this morning. You need to know the Bible. If you're going to speak to someone, speak truth to them, and call them to repent, you need to know what's in this. Now, if you're hanging out with me on Wednesday nights, you know that I've been trying to tell you guys, read this Bible. Know what's in it, because it's going to... You're going to be able to use this to back up your words. If you're just speaking to someone and you don't know what's in this book, your words are just going to fall flat. It's the truth in this book that's going to reach someone's heart. And John knew that. And so when he was calling people to repent, he knew what was in this. He knew what was in the scriptures in the Old Testament in order to give validation to what he was speaking. The Herodian family... They certainly needed someone like John to bring truth and, and a calling to repentance in their lives. That, I believe that John was exactly where he needed to be. He was in prison, but he had a, a voice, to the, he had an influence. So if we look back at the text, we'll start at verse 19. Herodias held a grudge against him and wanted to kill him, but she couldn't because Herod feared John and protected him. Knowing he was a righteous and holy man, When Herod heard him, he would be very perplexed, and yet he liked to listen to him. And so if we look at that, Herod was afraid. He was afraid of John. He couldn't have him killed, but his wife was very upset about the things John was saying. So there's a little bit of tension there. And the word perplexed, if we look at that, uh, that Greek word is epereo, and that means to be without resources, to be embarrassed, or to be in doubt. Now I believe that that John is speaking to Herod. Herod likes to listen to him, but he's not necessarily like grasping what he's saying. But that I, I think that's the, it's the stirring of truth, the Holy Spirit stirring in Herod's heart. Herod might not be accepting it, but he knows there's something in those words that John's speaking to him. Now, back to verse 21. An opportune time came on his birthday when Herod gave a banquet for his nobles, the military commanders, and the leading men of Galilee. When Herod's Herodias' own daughter came in and she danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. The king said to the girl, ask me whatever you want and I'll give it to you. Another side note, uh, Herod's, Herod's daughter, her name isn't mentioned in the text, but we know from history her name is, uh, I'm sorry, this might be the wrong pronunciation, uh, Salome, Salome. So that's Herodias' daughter, she's dancing. And at the time, Jewish women never danced with men. There's always a separate thing. Men dance with men, women dance with women. And a dancer at Herod's court would have usually been a prostitute. And the fact that this dancer, Salome, was actually Herodias's daughter, the fact that she's dancing, it shows what little more character that she has in the whole family. They, they need John to speak to them. Uh, again, we see ex- John is exactly where he needs to be, speaking life to, his, to this family. We continue in the text, we can see verse 23. He promised her with an oath, whatever you ask me, I'll give it to you, up to half my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, what should I ask for? John the Baptist's head, she said. And at once she hurried to the king and said, I want you to give me John the Baptist's head on a platter, immediately. Although the king was deeply distressed because of his because of his oaths and the guests, he didn't want to refuse her. These influential people, these leading men, the, the kings, the nobles, the military commanders, 
Herod didn't want to look uh, bad in front of them. He didn't want to look weak. And this pride, his, his uh, saving of his face, he, these things allowed John to die. It was Herod's pride, essentially. The king, immediately he sends for an executioner and commander to bring him John's head. So he went and beheaded him in prison. In 28, he says he brought the head on a platter and gave it to the girl, and the girl gave it to her mother. When John's disciples heard about it, they came and removed his corpse and placed it in a tomb. So that's the story of John. He's beheaded because Jesus' name is becoming known. Herod hears of it, and then it gives us the story of John. Now, the, the, there's a few similarities between Jesus and John, just a little bit of maybe foreshadowing. The laying of a body in a tomb, that's eventually going to happen to Jesus, if we continue reading. Um, there's a few other similarities. Mark, in his gospel, he's very brief. That's kind of his style. He just goes to the next thing. And he doesn't actually mention how, if you continue to read, there's an interaction with Herod that Jesus has. Jesus and, Jesus and John both get an interaction with Herod. Um, they, at different times, they're held captive by Herod, who has a personal audience with him. So Herod is getting, he gets, to see, he gets to hang out with John, he gets to hang out with Jesus. Herod is getting... Has, he's getting influenced by these people. We see in the Gospel of Luke, Herod is excited to see Jesus. Herod wants to see Jesus. He wants to see some signs happening. You can see that reference in Luke 23.8. Herod's interested in John's words, and both Jesus and John are killed at the hand of, hands of Roman soldiers. And at their deaths, both are laid into tombs by their disciples. Herod is in the presence of two great men, but he fails to repent each time. So that's, that's it, the tale of Don, John's death. That's our, that's our text. It's told, this is a story, with, from a brief pro, it's told in a brief pause from the main story of Jesus' life in Mark's Gospel. You might be asking, how does this relate to fearing men? John's dead dead at the hands of a man who was too afraid to kill him outright. John's wife had to wait for an opportune time to orchestrate the, this death. And some of the, it's interesting, some of the commentaries I was reading suggested possibly that John was in on it the whole time. He just was, again, too afraid to outright kill John because he was afraid of John, so he had to orchestrate this entire uh, scheme have a party on his birthday and to offer his daughter anything in the kingdom. And some say that he would have never done that unless he knew exactly what she was going to ask for. And so John is John is dead as a result. We see that John lived to call people to repent. He wanted to prepare people to receive Jesus. That's, that's what he was for. That's what he was on the earth for. That's, that was his God-given mission, you might say. And John did his job well. We see that he didn't die until Jesus' name had become known. That's, that's, exact, that's the first verse, 6.14. Jesus' name had become known, John is dead. But John did die. He was feared by a man, but John didn't fear men. He feared God. He spoke truth to whoever needed to hear it. He wasn't afraid of what Herod would do. He wasn't afraid of Herodias. He denounced their marriage and he went to jail for it, but that didn't stop him because he wasn't afraid of men. 
Herod was perplexed and he, at a loss. He was in doubt from the words of John. God had a plan for John. And I believe that God wanted him close to Herod, speaking truth to him, close to that family, close to the leadership of the time, to give them truth. John wasn't going to pull punches. Not many people would do that to a man in charge. Herod was the ruler of the land. There was a lot, probably a lot worse things than being put in jail that John could have suffered. Verse 20, it says that Herod liked to listen to him, even though John would call out his sins. John's whole thing was to call people to repent and be baptized. That's the beginning of Mark. That's what it says. Do you think he stopped just because he met Jesus in the river? No. I think he did that continually. You can bet that's what he was saying to Herod and to anyone who would listen. We need to be more like John and fear God more than men. If I wasn't as concerned with what my friends thought of me when we were playing video games, I might have shared more about Christianity with them. We as believers need to be less concerned about the thoughts of other people and more concerned about their souls. In short, we need to be more like John from this passage. We need to know the Bible. We need to fear God. Even in times of persecution, even if it feels like we're in jail, know that that's right where God wants you to be. There should be only one thought that we have while we're with others. That thought should be, where will they spend eternity? I'm not saying that's going to be easy. Text our story, John dies. And that's unlikely in the U.S. that you might get killed. But in other parts of the world, yeah, it is, it is possibly dangerous to share your faith. But here in North Dakota, what's the worst thing that can happen if you share your faith with a friend? If you speak truth at work, if you spoke about the gospel to your coworkers or to customers, How many more people would we see here this morning? Or how many new connection cards would Pastor Jeff have to purchase because we keep giving them out to new, new members, new, to new guests? What's the worst that can happen? If we were less concerned about the thoughts of others and more concerned about eternal souls, how many more people would we see this morning? I'm going to wrap things up, I guess. Uh, of a short message. All, all men are sinners, and at their death, they'll have to give an account of their lives. Because of our sin, we're separated from God, and at our death, we're either going to spend eternity with God in his presence, or we'll be eternally separated from God. By, by, by believing in Jesus Christ and accepting him as Lord of your life, you can be saved. Don't be afraid of what others think. Don't be afraid to share this truth. I think that it's more loving to give people this truth than it is to not say anything at all. And that's, that's how John was operating. He knew people needed to hear his message because he knew it happened as a result of not speaking. So maybe you're sitting here today and you're, you're afraid of people like Herod, like I was when I was t- playing video games. You've heard the truth but you don't live it. You're fascinated by people like John, but you don't. maybe you don't believe. You, you like to hear about the things of God, but you haven't decided to follow him. And if that's you, I'd encourage you today to make a choice to follow God.
and I encourage all of us to speak life and truth to those around us. If you're already a believer, do you know the Bible well enough to tell others? Are you willing to maybe go to jail to tell others about your faith, to tell people in a loving way about Jesus? Don't stop speaking truth and life to those around you just because it might be hard. Don't waver, don't shy away from any opportunity to tell others about the gospel. After I, I'm going to close in prayer, and if you'd like to come forward, pray. The altars are going to be open. If you'd like someone to pray for you, I can pray for you, pray with you. Um, you can do that. The altars will be open. I'm going to close in prayer. Would you bow your heads with me? Dear God, thank you for your love. Thank you for sending Jesus to this earth for us. Help us not to fear others. Only have, help us to have just a true reverent fear for you and a love for those around us, not a fear, a love that we want them to be with you in eternity. I pray, Lord, that we would be bold when opportunities arise and that we would tell others about you and we would leap at that chance. Help us to remember that you're in control and you have a plan for our lives no matter what happens. I pray that this church would grow with a desire to know you better every day and we would share that knowledge with those around us. I pray for wisdom as we look for situations to bring life to others. I pray for your blessing on us this morning and be with us this week and draw us closer to you every day. Amen.